Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Community Connection. Governor Andrew Cuomo, a three-term Democrat, was forced to resign two weeks ago to avoid impeachment after sexual harassment allegations by 11 women. Yesterday, Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul took over the job as governor, making her the first female to hold that position in New York. Jack McGuire is an associate political science professor at SUNY Potsdam. He joins me this morning on the show. Good morning, Jack. Good morning. So I had uh, Margaret Haggard on yesterday. She's our Democratic legislator here in in the county. And we were talking, of course, about firsts for women. Uh, Her mom, Ruth Garner, was the first woman to be elected to the Village of Potsdam Board of Trustees. This is back in the 70s. First uh, woman mayor here in in, uh, Potsdam. I did a little research about some of the firsts for women just in New York State. starting in the early 1900s, but none of them were for governor. What gives, Jack? That's a, that's a really good question, and that's actually been addressed by um, you know, political scientists. Um, and some of the research that's come out is that you know, voter, it it's really pertains to the voters, and voters are less likely to see women as an ideal candidate for governor. And part of this is this perception that the governorship is more linked to being so-called tough. You know, you have to be a tough negotiator. You have to be tough on, you know, on interests, different interest groups and so forth. And the research also suggests that voters are more comfortable electing women to legislative positions than to executive leadership positions like the governorship. And that's a philosophy that still stands? It seems a little antiquated. Well, that's the that's what the research says. You know, this is not a normative argument, you know, on certainly not on my part, um, but this is voters' perceptions, you know, and I think some of it goes back to... Um, you know, biases that are still rampant in uh, uh, in the state, in New York State and across the states, if you, you know, and some of it is linked to um, party ID um, mm-hmm. yeah. and, you know, the branding that occurs within parties. And some of it also has to do with the so-called like women's issues, you know, whether it's like, say, health care or child care or school, those kind of issues are, in voters' minds, identified more with uh, women candidates for executive positions um, as opposed to, say, men that are more with, say, finance and even things like foreign policy. Um, So, or trade and things along those lines. So, much of it goes back to the perceptions of voters. Um, but, you know, those perceptions are changing, um, but they're, they're slow to change. And if you look even at the numbers of women who, are, who have been elected um, across the country, in, like, say, since the 1970s, um, running for Congress, for example, the House and Senate, um, in... 1976, there were less than 50 
women that actually ran for a seat in the national legislature. 18 of them were elected. In 2010, there were just over 150 women that ran for office, and 77 of them were elected. So, you know, you know that's a that's a nearly you know 50 year period, mm-hmm. you know, where you know you've seen a pretty dramatic rise in the number of you know, women who are running for office and then getting elected. So obviously things have changed quite a bit. Yeah, um, I w- but I but wonder more, more could. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Um, you know, but when you look at legislatures, you know, I don't have the data on the New York State legislature here, but um, the number of women represented in legislatures and executive positions, you know, statewide executive positions is is relatively low. And it's still a male-dominated, you know, institution. Um, so, I mean, that's... That's pretty clear. Yeah. And I wonder... Um, Yeah, go on. I'm sorry. I wonder how race factors into that. Um, Shirley Chisholm, right? 1969, first black woman to serve in Congress in New York. I wonder if... Right. No, that's that's a great question. Um, It's race and gender are, you know, this kind of double-edged sword that, you know, that women of color um, have to face. You know, they have to overcome two barriers. Um, amongst the voters in order to, you know, win in a primary, um, you know, even within their party, um, and then, you know, amass, you know, at, at least a plurality of the vote in order to win in a legislative race or even a majority to win. So, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. Um, and, you know, when you, when you look across, like, statewide elected officials, right? So in New York, it's the governor, lieutenant governor, the controller, and the AG, right? So if you look across, and other states have other officials who are also, you know, elected statewide, like the state of Washington has a whole panoply of offices that are elected statewide. Hmm. But the number of women elected statewide is relatively low. So you have today... Um, nine governors, this includes um, Governor Hochul, that are out of 50 that are women, okay? And that would be six that are Democrat and three that are Republican, right? Um, Historically, there's only been 44 women governors um, in the United States history, Right. And most of them, again, have been Democrats, lieutenant governors. Right. That's where Governor Hochul rose from. Only 19 of them have been women. Right. There have only been three controllers across the country who have been women and all of them have been Democrats. Hmm. And one of the one of the jumping off points to become governor is the position of state's attorneys general. And there have only been eight state's attorneys general who have been women, five of which have been Democrat, three Republican. Right. So, um, you know, AG, New York State Attorneys General uh, Letitia James 
So she, you know, one of the one of the acronyms for AG is aspiring governor. <laughs> and Interesting. So <laughs> don't that. be surprised. <laughs> do not be surprised if Letitia James runs and attempts to primary um, Governor Hochul. Yeah, she'd be our first female black governor. Exactly. Yeah. And interestingly enough is that what you also see is that women, and particularly women of color, are much more likely to be successful if they come from, you know, urban, suburban areas, not in to the rural areas of states. So what I'm hearing so you... Yeah, what I'm hearing you say, Jack, is that women are still underrepresented in what? Just about every level of, of government. New York, maybe even nationally. Oh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and yes, and as you move out, as you move, and some of it has to do with the political culture of a state. So states that, you know, like, like for example, <laughs> it may sound kind of odd, but, you know, like states like Washington, Oregon, you know, that are that are seen as being, say, more kind of progressive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and small D democratic, and they may and they also tend to have weaker political parties, right? Um, they tend to have more women elected to statewide office and um, you know Congress and so forth, like like the state of Washington, right? Um, and and some of that has to do with the original, you know, like European settlers and their religious backgrounds and, you know, as being maybe from more democratically leaning type religious institutions and how that, you know, translates into, you know, being more sort of open for you know, uh, allowing participation and mm-hmm. as a, as a, as opposed to being, you know, more closed and, you know, regimented and, you know, the leadership. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so, so New York um, is, is not unlike, say, Massachusetts and other sort of New England sort of Yankee type states in, you know, making it more difficult for women to sort of break these type of, you know, glass ceiling, mm-hmm. these kind of barriers. And, and a lot of it goes back to, you know, the, the political culture of the place, right. you know, and the simple way to describe kind of political culture is how we do things around here. And, you know, New York state has a, has a very particular political culture. Um, it, it actually has several political. I was going to say there's the divide yeah. though. Yeah, and but you know one tends to dominate, and you know it's this sort of <clears throat> it's this sort of Yankee independence. All and but it's also linked with this: if you're an amateur, you 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 stay out of the politics here. Mm. Yeah. Okay, like you don't really have a place here, and so a lot of that prevents you know like. <laughs> You know, the poor, poor women, people of color, etc., getting into politics. Um, and now you might say, well, how does the New York State Legislature have, you know, like representation of, you know, a good representation of African-Americans or women, etc.? And, 
it's because of the other competing political culture, right? Which is a much more moralistic political culture. And, and, but when you look at where most people of color, women are elected to, um, state legislature here in New York, it's from cities, right? right? It's from urban areas. Yeah. Right. So, well, the demographics are as such too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and there's, you know, there's, there's just a general, there's more acceptance Mm -hmm. of progressive, like you said, women in those positions and people of color in those positions. And so that, that's where we are today. Well, Jack, this is fascinating. Thank you so much for, for chatting with us. Yeah, well, you're very welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Jack McGuire is an associate political science professor at SUNY Potsdam. Thanks again. Appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Yep. Have a great day, everybody. Uh, on the show tomorrow, we're going to talk with Potsdam Central School Superintendent Joanne Chambers about the start of this year's fall semester. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow on Community Connection.